I'd like us to read a short psalm to, to sort of set our sights on 2020. Is Psalm 133. Probably the most, or the second most familiar psalm in the whole book. Can anybody think of what, what psalm it is before you look? Not bad, not bad ever. Not bad, eh? Is he right? Psalm 133 says, Behold, how blessed, how good, and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessings, which is life forevermore. I suppose it is one of the most, or the second most familiar, of course, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord's My Shepherd is uh, probably the most familiar, but this is a very close second. And it's probably um, a verse, or a couple of verses, there's only three, I think, uh, that are quoted the most in the Scripture. And I think it's also what everybody wants. I think it's what everybody wants. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. You know, that's a good start. And a good start for the new year. We want a good year. And we want a pleasant year. That would be wonderful. How is it? How good and how pleasant is it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You know, as we embark upon a new year in Emmanuel... Um, it's the last phrase, I suppose, that um, sort of jumps out of the page for us as well. For there, at that point, the point of unity, God commands the blessing, which is life forevermore. You know, and the question that we must ask ourselves, if we're going to gain the blessings of Psalm 133, what are the responsibilities? How do we get from where we are today to where this psalm would promise that we would get? You know, and, uh, because if we look at our world, this is a place where we need to get to in 2020. It's a place that we need to desire to be in throughout 2020 because it is it can become such a blessing to us which is life forevermore now the first thing that I like us to say this morning is that brethren dwelling together in unity is not only the ideal for mankind but also the burning desire of God for mankind now then, if you have read the bulletin already this morning, you will have noticed that um, I've said that the world hasn't changed a lot since 2019. You know, 2019 was a year of division, of hatred, of suspicion, name-calling, and so many atrocities mm. that were uh, perpetrated in 
uh, in the name of religion, of nationality, of color, and of creed. You know, it's still a frightening place, is the word that we belong to. It's still, uh, in certain aspects, a dreadful place. A place where human life means so little, so cheap is human life. Where God has become a total non-entity. But man does what he thinks is right in his own eyes. That's the society that we belong to. You know, and it's gone beyond evil when we think about our situation. So, 2019, already in 2020, we are witnessing more of the same. More of the same. You know what, I don't want us this morning to get sucked into this, the good old days, romantic idea that everything was wonderful back there. You know, when we were in the 50s and the 60s, everything was so simple and so straightforward and everybody loved... Never, it never did. For those of you that were in the 50s, it wasn't a good place to be. The same as the 2020s. Everything is alarming. You know, the world has changed very little since the moment that Adam disobeyed God um, way back there in the Garden of Eden. The first thing he saw, of course, was his son killing his brother. You know, and Eve could easily have said, way back there, it's gone beyond evil. You know, but such, in such a world, God says, or to such a world, God says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Now, it's been a mere 6,000 years since two people proved such a statement in the Garden of Eden, this paradise that was situated somewhere out there in the Middle East. You know, for a brief period, and we don't know how long, but it was for a brief period that when God looked at this world, and when Adam and Eve looked at this world, he could say, and they could say, that everything was very, very good. Very, very good. You and the word pleasant in our psalm means to be agreeable. You know, when God looked at the world, everything he saw was agreeable to him. You know, the, the actual environment was agreeable to him. It had been designed to meet every need of the human heart and body. And when he looked at humanity, which consisted of these two people that he had made with his own hands, everything about them was agreeable because they lived in obedience to him and in unity together. Here is the epitome of brethren dwelling together in unity. Adam and Eve. And when you look at the situation, they had it all. They had everything that they could ever desire. And they had it forever. Forever. It was an eternal gift that God had planned for them. It was agreeable. So why is it all gone wrong? Why now is when we look out onto the world, even the environment is disagreeable. And humanity, 
Well, humanity speaks for itself. But you see, the clue is in this psalm. You know, and it's not rocket science, it's simple. You know, when you look at the psalm, it's uh, just to instruct us. Because what the psalmist is talking about is totally unfamiliar to us. We don't know what it's like to be pleasant and agreeable to God. We don't know what it's like to have a society that we can relax in and feel safe in and enjoy. Because the unity of the brethren has been disrupted somewhat. And now there is enmity with the brethren. So to instruct us in this not so familiar ideal, the psalmist David gives us two similes. He says, it's like, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. What is unity like? It's like the oil that was anointed on Aaron's head. But then he goes on and says, and gives us another simile and says, it's like the dew of Hermon. Descending upon the mountains of Zion. So this is what it's like. What's the unity of the brethren like? Well it's like the dew of Hermon. What's this blessing that the psalmist talks about? Well it's like the dew of Hermon. You know there's nothing sweeter than to walk through grass that's been recently endowed with dew from heaven. It's beautiful. Now I wanted to notice in the psalm where these two things come from. Where the oil and the dew actually comes from. You want it so simple to see that it originates in God. Which of course explains why when we see the images on our television screens and when we hear the news, it causes us to say it's gone beyond evil because man has turned his back on the author of this unity. Man has said we don't want you anymore Lord. God. We don't want you anymore. And because we don't want you. And we have sort of programmed you out of our lives. Then along with you. Went the unity. Because the oil. Is originates in God. And the water or the dew. Originates in God. We are bereft of these blessings. Because we've turned our back. Upon God. Unity. That is, dwelling together in unity is an utter impossibility without God. (laughs) Because these vital similes are missing. But of course, to us here in this place this morning, they have been made available to us. Available to us. Now they've been made available to us by the sacrifice that Jesus made for us upon the cross. Where he has again reintroduced God into our experience. Before coming to Christ and knowing him as Savior. And before being introduced to the Father. We had no relationship with God. And the world outside sits in a place of non-relationship with God. And therefore these things are not available to the world at large. But they are available to those who acknowledge God as Father. Through Jesus Christ. That's the the sort of the essence of the whole psalm. But they are available 
to those who trust him and that's us and therefore there's something about you and I not because of who we are or what we've done or how good we are but because of God's grace that we can buck the trend of the world that we belong to you know when we are looking at the the two similes you know when in Exodus chapter 30 we're looking at the oil first of all the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments you know and in Exodus 30 we read the divinely inspired recipe for this precious oil now we could go back there and read it and we could look at all the ingredients and see the special significance but that's going to take too much time but suffice it for us this morning to see that the oil originates with God himself you know for us to reach God's ideal for us then first we must receive from his hands these special ingredients this oil this anointing oil which of course reminds us of the precious work of the Holy Spirit that's what this psalm is about it's about the third person of the Trinity it's about the Holy Spirit you know when Ezekiel was confronted with that image remember that image of the, of the, the lampstand and the two olive trees one each side which were feeding the, the lampstand to keep the oil burning God reminded him that it's not by might nor by power but it's by my spirit says the Lord you know, and here we are in a position that we want the unity of the brethren it's unavailable to those who don't know God but to us it is available but only through the medium of the Holy Spirit. It must very, it's very, very important. You know, as you study the progress of this oil, you see it uh, sort of anointed onto the head of, of Aaron. It goes down onto his beard and down onto his clothes. Do you know it doesn't touch his flesh at all? Because this work of unity is purely a work of the Holy Spirit. There is no flesh involved. There is no man-made um, feelings and man-made situations involved in this. You know, when we look at the man-made treaties that are supposed to alleviate the problems of the world, they all fall flat. So when man touches things, it disintegrates. But when it's left to God, it's built up. And it becomes vibrant and living and abundant. What have I come to do, says Jesus? I've come to give life and more life more abundantly. There's an abundance in God that man cannot conjure up. You know, and even as Christians, we cannot conjure up the unity of the brethren by means of what we do and think and say. This is a fruit of the Holy Spirit this is God working within us and bringing out of us this special relationship that can bring about the unity of the brethren that we need so much you know there's a verse in or a few verses in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 3 
And this is what it says. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, these graces are beyond us as human beings. But when the Spirit is at work, then this is the fruit that grows in the individual Christian. And this is the substance or the foundation of the unity for which we crave. So what do we want? Do we want more work? Do we want more man-made thoughts and ideas? No, we want to allow the Holy Spirit to work more within us than He's ever done before. (coughs) You know, we can go back down to Adam and Eve and know that they had nothing at all to do with the unity that they enjoyed. It had been given them by God. And as long as God was in their hearts and their minds, that unity stayed. But once they got rid of Him, it went. And here we are this morning. We're in the same situation. The more of God, the more of His Spirit that works within us, the more these graces will come to the fore. Listen to them again. Lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit. They are so reminiscent of the fruits of the Spirit that we find in Galatians chapter 5. You know what says, but there, the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against which there is no law. Now these are all dwelling within the Christian who has been indwelt by the Spirit. He comes, you know, when we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence with us. And you know, He brings everything He's got with Him. He hasn't left anything in heaven. Everything about the Spirit is dwelling within us. So all these graces are actually dwelling within us. And all we need to do is allow Him to have access to all areas of our life. And we will see. See, this is not a determination to be full of love. It's not a determination to be long-suffering. It's not a determination to be kind and good. No, it isn't something we steal ourselves to do. It's something we allow Him to grow in our lives. Because you notice the emphasis um, that I've already made concerning the precious oil. It's the work of the Spirit, but it has to be applied. Applied. It's not just precious oil. It's not just the Holy Spirit. But it's precious oil as it comes upon the head of Aaron. As it runs down his beard, as it goes down his garments to the very hem, as it covers him, he is the spirit or the oil is applied to him. And in the same way, you and I, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, but we need him to be in the fore, to be in the ascendancy, so that our lives resemble his life. And the more we take our hands 
of the steering wheel of our lives, the more of Him will be seen in our life. You see, because even though God has brought everything that He is into our hearts, it doesn't follow that we're going to live above par. It's only when we apply the things of the Spirit in our lives that we will see the benefits of unity where the blessings are commanded. But having said that, this spiritual encounter that we have with the Holy Spirit has to be finely balanced by our second simile that we have in this psalm. And that is the dew of Hermon. Now the two similes are so very closely related. The dew is also a gift of God's grace. You see, we cannot engineer dew on the mountains. It's something that God gives to us freely from His storehouse. You know, when it originates in the heavenlies as opposed to to the earth. Deuteronomy chapter 33 says, And of Joseph he said, Blessed blessed of the Lord is his hand with the precious things of heaven, with the dew and the deep lying beneath. You see, we, we see that this relates to the teaching of God's word. Because in, in God's word, water is a symbol of the word of God. As we look out through the the New Testament, it's the Word of God. You know, and it's um, when we let's look at Deuteronomy thirty-two. He says, "Let my teaching," says Moses, "drop as the rain; let my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops, as raindrops on the tender herbs, and as showers on the grass. Let my teaching." Be as do. Let my words distill as the do. You see, it's the teaching. You know, it relates to the teaching of God's word that balances everything. You know, and I know they're going to be honest. You might think to yourself, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to be kept in check. Of course, He doesn't. The Holy Spirit doesn't need to be balanced with anything else. Of course, He doesn't. But you see, we are so silly. We are so silly. You know, I, I just think of one, one circumstance. You know, when I was a kid, and I'm talking 15, 16, you know, everybody sang three hymns before the meeting, before the sermon, and one hymn after. Whatever church you went to, it was three hymns and one hymn after the sermon. You know, and as kids, we wanted to be different. And we got our guitars out, David and me and others like this. And we said, no, we're going to sing choruses. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do the other. We're going to drag the church from the 50s into the 60s, we said. You know, if you can can remember the Joy Strings, the Salvation Army had a group called the Joy Strings, and they brought their guitars into the church, and everybody was whooping because we've come a long way from where we were to where we are. But then, people weren't satisfied with that. And we've gone a little bit further. And we've gone a little bit further. And we've gone a little bit further. And now churches, you don't hear the word anymore. 
Now it's all big music and big bands and lights and strobes and, and images cast on the wall and it's dark and, and everything is different now. And we've gone from the 50s where it was three hymns before and one hymn after to now almost chaos. We're not saying any of it is wrong. But I'm saying we tend to sort of allow the pendulum to swing from one extreme to the other. We go from the sublime to the ridiculous or the ridiculous to the sublime. We don't stop where we think we should because that's how we are. You know, when we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you know, He he comes into our church and He does wonderful things. But then we think to ourselves, well, we don't need the Word anymore. We got the Spirit. You know, instead of staying where God wants us, we swing all the way to the other side. And then it's all Spirit. And we're all dancing and rolling on the floor and laughing and doing all the stuff that we should do because we haven't balanced ourselves. We have to balance ourselves with the Word of God. And when you look at the Word of God, you'll find that the same Holy Spirit who comes to indwell us is the same Holy Spirit who actually wrote the Word of God. So there's no confusion here. You know, there's no sort of um, clash of characters here. If we want to move in the power of the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit has given us the guidelines which to do it. To stop us overbalancing. To stop us being out of kilter, going too far in that extreme, or too far in this extreme, which we see so often in churches. You see, He is the author, so there is no confusion. You know, if we went to the New Testament again, to see this in practice, we read on from uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 and 3, chapter 4 verses 1 to 3, which I read just now, because it goes on. Because when you think, oh, unity, unity of the Spirit, that's all we need is unity. No, we need teaching as well. And that's what it says in these verses. There is one body, says Paul, there is one spirit, just as you were called in one hope um, of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You and again it is with the emphasis I made concerning applying the oil, the same with the dew of Hermon. Its blessings come as it descends upon the mountain. It's no good there. It has to be here. It has to be on the grass. Dew dew never stops halfway down. It's always there on the grass. You and uh, the word of God, yes, we have it in our hands. But do we have it in our hearts? Do we have it in our minds? Is it on our tongues? Because that's when it becomes the balance in blessing to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's when it's at its best. You know, I believe that this psalm that we have, and it's, it's such a romantic psalm, you know, and a, a nice psalm. You know, if you want a nice feeling, read Psalm 133. If you want to bring a nice flow to a service, read Psalm 93, uh, 133, you can, can read Psalm 93 more if you want to, it's just as good, but we are dealing with this end this morning, 
You know, I believe that this psalm is now at this present time, 2020, it's become, or it's come to its zenith of, re- of relevance to the body of Christ. Did you know that? That when you look at this psalm, as romantic as it is, and as nice and warm and lovely feelings that it brings, it is the, one of the most important psalms that is relevant to us as Christians in 2020. Because 2020 is a part of time that is hurtling through the latter days of this world. You know, the great day of the Lord is coming. And Jesus warns us that as the day of the Lord is nearing, the plea for spurious unity will grow louder and louder. The plea for spurious unity, that is unity that is not based in God, not based in His Spirit, not based in His Word, not available through Christ and His sacrifice, another unity is being propagated in our world today. And it's more prevalent today than it is as ever been. And therefore this psalm is more relevant to us today than it has ever been. Not only is the plea for spurious unity growing louder and louder, but our unwillingness to participate will get harder and harder. You see, when there's just a little group who wants us to join them and chuck Christ away and the cross away, we can say no. And we can walk away and we can, we can sort of keep the distinctives of Christianity. It's quite simple. But when that group gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it envelops the world, that plea for spurious unity gets louder and our unwillingness to participate in it gets harder and harder. And we look at churches all over the world that are falling as we speak. They are falling for the unity that the world is trying to foister upon us. A unity that has God, not God, got Christ at its center. It's a godless unity. And therefore we've got to be so very, very careful that when we are uniting, we have to unite on the same foundation. And that is Christ and Him crucified. And if we don't unite on Christ and Him crucified, then we don't unite. It's simple. But it's difficult. Because now the fingers are pointing. And now the the reputation is dying. And now you were called the, the, the antagonists all of a sudden. You are divisive all of a sudden. You are speaking with hate all of a sudden. You know, and if I had a, a penny for every Christian who has been imprisoned simply for preaching the gospel in 2019, then I would be a very rich man. And the words they say, hate speech. The gospel. The gospel of grace. 
which offers to men salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, joy, peace. And that's construed as hate speech today. Why? Well, because the unity that the world desires conflicts with the unity that God desires. You know, as um, barriers, national barriers continue to fall and religious distinctives continue to fade, so will religious division dissolve. And a one world church will make its ugly appearance. But unlike the oil and the water which comes from God, the origins of this one world church will come from man. Man in his rebellion against God. It will have no room for the brethren who dwell in unity. It will have no room for those who have been indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. It will have no room for those who are trusting in God's word. So therefore we've got to be very careful. As a church in 2020, we've got to make sure that the blessing that we seek is God's blessing. That the unity that we enjoy is God's unity. And it's brought about by His presence and His word. You see, unity does not come at any cost. It costs our Lord and Saviour His life poured out upon the cross. And when it cost our Lord and Saviour His life poured out on the cross, then it behoves us to see the value of that sacrifice and to apply the oil of the Spirit and the water of the Word so that we can know His ideal. And that is unity with the brethren where God commands the blessing which is life forevermore. I pray the Lord will refresh us with His presence in 2020. I pray the Lord would move by His Spirit in us and through us and upon us in 2020. And I pray the Lord will allow His Word to be preached freely and fully and confidently in this place. And I'm sure that if we dedicate ourselves to Him, then we will see the blessing of God upon our lives, upon our fellowship, and upon the people that we meet and introduce to Jesus as we go through 2020 together.